You're listening to the latest preaching from Brixham Community Church. Just to sort of give a bit of a background, a couple of years ago, I had it on my heart to speak about salt and light um, from something I'd read, not least in the Bible, of course. Um, And I became sort of obsessed in a good way about reading about it, about thinking about it. I couldn't think of anything else. And I knew that I had to speak about it, speak it out at church. And I spoke to John about it, and he said, uh, said I feel like it's a, a real prompting to, to speak about it. And he said, yeah, let me know when you're ready. We'll run through it, and you know, we'll, we'll give you the time to speak. And so I was constantly writing about it. And do you know, I, friends, I thought of every single reason in the book why I shouldn't stand up. I was well. I hadn't quite finished. Um, what? Yeah. Well, that week I'm on street pastors, and oh, but you know, I've had a few health issues. And then, of course, I had surgery. So, <laughs> so well, that was a good reason, right? So I let that go, and lo and behold, a couple of months later, who should give an excellent teaching on salt and light it was Fez. It's almost like the Lord was saying, "Well, you didn't do it. I got someone else to do it." So this time. It's about light, strangely enough. And when we were talking on Sunday afternoon with Fez and others in a small group, we were saying, so he's saying, forget the salt, just do the light. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I'm see, so I'm stepping out, stepping out in faith to talk about the light and then trusting that if I, which I truly believe it's Holy Spirit prompting, then I, I'm trusting that because he wants me to say it, the Lord has given me the wisdom and the strength to say it, then he knows who is to receive it. So why the light of Christ? Well, John asked me just shortly before Christmas if I'd do the closing prayers at the combined service on Christmas Day at the Baptist. And in true form, it took me hours to compose it, which was about three minutes to deliver it. <clears throat> but I just want to give you the gist of what I prayed, because it sort of comes from um, the words of that prayer. So, so let's just close our eyes in a moment, and I think this prayer is, um, is appropriate now, really, as it was on Christmas Day, apart from the fact we were celebrating that event. So I so said, we thank you, Lord, for the blessing of this service to celebrate the birth of Christ our Saviour. We remember our brothers and sisters of the persecuted church who must meet secretly and risk imprisonment, torture, and even death for their faith. We thank you for their amazing witness, and Lord, we pray that you will strengthen, encourage, and protect them. Father God, we pray for those for whom (coughs) Christmas is a difficult time, the homeless, the lonely, the bereaved, and the sick, those who long to be with people who love and care for them, We pray that you will comfort them and surround them with your love. And we think of those whose relationships are broken, be it family or friends, and pray that this may be a time of forgiveness and reconciliation. And Lord, we pray that you will encourage them. And finally, we pray that the truth of the gospel and the peace, love and light of Christ's coming would shine into all the world. Amen. Okay. So I got up quite quickly because I was going up onto the moors in the afternoon to come out. And uh, this 
chap who I'd never seen before, I would say he's a visitor to the church. <clears throat> and as I came out the inside door of the Baptist, he opened the door for me. And he said, thank you for your beautiful prayer. Thank you. He said, Christmas isn't an easy time for everybody. He said, you just brought it all together and summed it up. And I, he said, it was beautiful. And I said, thank you. And I thought, thank you, Lord, that's a blessing. You know, that's an encouragement. <laughs> but here's the thing. As I went through the outside doors into, onto the pavement, as it were, I had no idea that the words of that prayer which I had written would have such an impact on me. I just had this overwhelming thought, if you like. It's difficult to put into words even now about the light of Christ, the light of Christ coming and the fact that I carried the light of Christ. It was a huge... It's got to be Holy Spirit. That's all I can dis uh, describe it as. I was shaking. My heart was racing. All the way home, I was thinking to myself, I carry the light of Christ. Like, I, I carry the light of Christ, right? I carry that light of Christ. All that day, I was really shaky. I went on to the moors, and it was a God-given day like today, when sunshine and warmth and... All the time I was up there, I couldn't get that phrase out of my mind. And my heart was bumping so much for the rest of the day and the following day of thinking on Boxing Day, hang on, did I ought to go to A&E? There's something wrong with my heart now. <laughs> you know, it was really like that. And that continued until now, really. And, and I couldn't stop reading about it, researching about it in other people's commentaries, um, waking up four o'clock in the morning and having to get out of bed to write about it. I mean, crazy or what? And since that day, I can honestly say the encounters I have had with individual people is just amazing. I mean, Paul has preached to us for weeks about the power that we have in us. And I've said yes, and, mm, yeah, you know, like we all do, yes and amen. But I hadn't really grasped it, folks. I hadn't really grasped what it means to have that power, that strength, that we carry the light of Christ. It's awesome. Amen. I don't presume to know how, how you are with your relationship with God. That's something between you and God. So... This is about me. It's, funnily enough, your words, Sue, about awakening. I've got so many words written here about awakening, but I believe it's an awakening for me, and but also an awakening for our church. Um, just to give you a flavour of some of the things that I've encountered with people, which the first thing, a lot of it revolves around coffee shops, folks. Those of you who know me, you see my loyalty cards, that fat. <laughs> So, I'm in the coffee shop in Brixham, reading the paper, and all of a sudden I get a hand on my sh shoulder, and this lady says, how wonderful to see you. And I look up, and it's somebody I used to see when Nick and I used to walk sometimes, but on a hello, goodbye, what a lovely day kind of business. And she said, we, we got into talking about her bereavement. And her loneliness, we had quite a long chat. And I thought, well, you know, when she went, I thought, well, 
you know, that was nice, but why would it be wonderful to see me? And then I stood up to come out after I finished reading my paper, and somebody again, who I know on a hello, goodbye kind of nod, came up and threw her arms around me and hugged me and said, how wonderful to see you. Happy New Year, Carol. And I thought, this is a bit weird. So what should I do for the rest of the day? I thought, I'll go to Torquay, and I'll walk back along the beach, which is something I often do, get on the bus, and a quarter of an hour later, I've got off in Paynton. And I'm, I'm talking to myself, as I do, and I'm saying, why have I cut off the bus in Paynton again? I was only here yesterday. And then I see this lady coming towards me, someone who I used to work very near to in Dartmouth. And she came up to me, and obviously you say, hello, how are you? Usual niceties. And she, we had a hugely long conversation about how her son had come home for palliative care, and she was having to live with him at the moment. And the circumstances of that were so, not the same illness, but the, the circumstances of that were so similar to the situation I found myself in when Nick came out of hospital in those last weeks. So I thought, now I know why you, why you make me get off the bus in painting ward. And a couple of days later, I went to Torquay in a coffee shop, strangely enough, in Waterstones, <clears throat> and finished my coffee and the inevitable results of drinking too many coffees, queuing up in Waterstones. And I got talking to the lady in front of me. I can't, can't tell you why we talk, started talking about the homeless. Um, and she was, seemed really interested. And then I started talking about addictions and um, how very often, in my limited experience, it comes from something traumatic that's happened in somebody's life that's made them turn to drugs or alcohol. And she said, I'm so glad you said that. She said, I've recently lost my, my younger sister to alcoholism. And we, so we had a chatted on a bit further to it was her turn, as it were. And she said, I'm so glad I spoke to you. And then another momentous one, I just go up the town in British Art Foundation shop. There's only me in there, apart from the lady on the counter. This young chap comes in with two lovely little girls, and he's asking for some advice from the lady at the counter. So you can't help but listen in, but you do anyway, don't you? Let's face it. And uh, she said she couldn't help him with the advice that he wanted. And he was, as I came out, I went to go past him. He was bending down, tying up the little girl's shoelaces. And as I got to the door, I knew I had to turn around and go back and speak to him. And I went back and just put my hand on his shoulder. And we, I won't tell you it was about, what it was about, but we didn't exchange more than three sentences. And he ended up crying and saying, would it be all right if I gave you a hug? That's got to be the Holy Spirit. So this is the power, nothing to do with Carol Foley. This is the power that's in us. You may already realize everything I've said. I just want to encourage you to believe everything that Paul's been telling us for every week in a real way. So what does the Bible say about the light? Christ's light, but we all know Matthew 14, 15, Matthew 5, 14, 15. You are the light of the world. So it's part of our job description, if you like. 
A city on a hill cannot be hid, nor do men light a lamp and put it under a bush, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. I was reading it, um, a Bible study from William Barclay, who's written two books just on Matthew's Gospel, which you will know well, Mike. Uh, he said, it may well be said that this is the greatest compliment that was ever paid to the individual Christian, for in it Jesus commands that we be what he himself claimed to be. He demands nothing less than that we should be like himself. That light with which we shine is a borrowed light. Jesus didn't say, produce your own light, but we must shine with a reflection of his. The radiance which comes from Christians is from the presence of Christ in our hearts. So our primary, primary duty is to be seen. To be seen is different. So I think of that, that realization and revelation of, that I had on Christmas Day is life-changing, really, but it also carries a responsibility and obligation. Because if we truly believe that we carry the light of Christ and the power of a living God in us, then we should be visible to all in what we do and how we live our lives and in, in, every, in every way. And it, if ever there was a time in the world that needs the light of Christ, it's today, isn't it, folks? We live in a broken world with broken people. So... I was saying about the word awakening. Christmas Day was an awakening for me. And I think that the light that was in me before that day was something like, like a tea light, a, a pilot light, if you like, a small low gas light that occasionally rose into a higher flame when perhaps we met together or we read something particularly um, impacted on us but I never really grasped the enormity of that. But here's something else I thought about, which may have already occurred to all of you, that light, so that we keep that flame up here and not down here, has to be kindled. That fire needs fuel to fan it into flame. And for me, that's the word. David, you said in The Secrets of Success in the Early Church that they understood the importance of the word and the written word. There's no substitute for reading the word yourself. No matter how you hear it through TV or media or whatever, there's no substitute for reading the word yourself. It strengthens that relationship you have with Jesus. It's a manual for life. Prayer, prayer and praying in tongues. Receiving Bible teachings and Bible study and fellowship and meeting together regularly in Acts 14, the apostles met together continually for prayer. If we don't kindle that flame that's in us, I believe that when life throws everything at us in the way of sickness, whatever, financial difficulties, name anyone that all of you will be experienced, not necessarily anyone at one time, when everything's thrown at us, if we don't kindle that flame, then we're in danger of that flame going down to this. It's like rain on a bonfire. That light diminishes if we don't constantly kindle it so that the love of Jesus flows through us and into everyone we encounter in our everyday lives. 
be that in the supermarket, coffee shop, or wherever. And if we can truly grasp it, and I pray that we all grasp it in the way that I have, if to come to realize that power in us, that God will use us in amazing ways. He will bring people to us, those we need to encounter, those who need to, to see the light of Christ. But here's the difficult thing that I have to say, folks. And I dare to say it, that I feel the light of our church has dimmed in 2019. And I'm being perfectly honest. There have been times when I haven't wanted to come. I didn't want to be here for many reasons. And I know I'm not alone in this. But I do believe that these are the times when we need to come to praise, to pray, to worship. This is where I encountered Jesus five years ago. This is where I was called to baptism. This is where I was meant to be. 2020, a new decade, and Malcolm spoke about it. We've heard a lot about that today. And I believe this is a time of a new awakening for this church. Awakening again, strangely enough. Not just for us, but for Christians everywhere. I believe it's says time to be stand up, standing up and be, be counted. We are at a crossroads. We can continue as we were, or we can, with God's help, become a beacon of light in this town. This has to start with a foundation of right standing with God, giving our best in everything we do, and a commitment to strengthening this fellowship And that has to be more than a Sunday meeting. It has to be. Personally, I believe that we should take this year as an opportunity to join with other Christians in the town. That's that's not for me to decide, obviously. But there are some amazing joint uh, ventures in the Bay where you're working with other Christians. There's such strength and power when we work with other Christians it doesn't matter we haven't got a building at the moment. Let's let, let, not let that hold us back. In fact, it's a blessing at the moment because if we had a building, we couldn't afford to keep it running, Lord. So this is a blessing. Let's look on it as a blessing. Let's look on it as something that gives us other opportunities. And I know we want to be led by the Spirit in everything we do, but sometimes... God doesn't give us definite instructions. He doesn't say, go here, go there, does he? I think sometimes he says, I've given you everything you need. He expects us to step out. But I believe he will stop us. He will close doors if we take a wrong turning. It's like a parent-child relationship. He's our father, and sometimes he says, well, I've given you everything now. Get on and do something yourself. But he will stop us. I truly believe he will stop us if we go down the wrong road. So in conclusion, I'd say when we kindle and nurture the flame of Christ, we will have the opportunity to blaze that light in Brixham. It will shine in the darkness. Darkness will not prevail. Guilt of hell will not prevail. Let this be a let your light shine before men year. So they will see his good, our good works and glorify our God. If we don't, if we don't, if I don't, I don't just fail myself. 
I failed my Savior. We are here for a purpose. In this place, on this earth, we are here for a purpose, and that is God's purpose. Time is short. We don't know the number of our days. When, when's the second coming? Could be 10 years, could be 100 years, could be 10 days, could be tomorrow. When I see my Saviour face to face, how will I account for my life? How will we account as a church for what we are doing? We just want to hear those words, well done, well done, good and faithful servant. When we fully grasp the power in us, we will make a difference, we will see lives change, we will see signs and wonders, believe it. Because we have that hope, that confident expectation that certain things are going to happen. Amen? Thanks for listening. For more information, visit Brixham.Church.